that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And welcome to the Melfi and Prezzo Show. I am your host, Prezzo. I'm your host, Melfi. All right. Today's topic, crew. We are talking about, um, does aesthetics mean you're healthy? Definitely. And do you have to track calories to lose weight or just track calories in general? Mm, Very good questions. Very good questions. And also the top 10 modern rugby league players. Yes. Who wrote that? Anaroll.com? This is the greatest on Channel 9 has brought this out. The greatest players of the modern era, top 10, has been voted by you people out there. So we'll delve into that. Probably disagree to disagree. But we'll, uh, yeah apart the top 10 all right big dog i'm going to start and ask you what your thoughts on does aesthetics mean you're healthy have to think about this 100 percent um, not because more than anyone i probably value health um mentally emotionally and spiritually and you have to sort of <clears throat> digress and look into each section um, and understand if you're healthy or not. You know, I would probably go physically, if someone is aesthetically looks good, you could probably assume they are essentially healthy. Um, they could look really ripped, um, really lean, have the abs, have the good body, but mentally they could be fucked, could be really unhappy. Um, and emotionally they could be putting a lot of stress on their body to get to that stage and also physically so you don't know what's happening inside their bodies so i'm gonna say no but also very much depends but i can safely say also that if you are overweight i can categorically say you're not you're not healthy um because you know if you're overweight there's certain levels of uh you know physical activity you need to be performing to you know feel healthy. So I'll definitely say 100% if you're overweight. I'm not talking about like if you cal- like if you don't have an abs, but I'm saying if you're 10, 15, 20 kilos overweight, there is no way you could be overall healthy. Um, you could be mentally, emotionally quite you know quite mm-hmm. good. Yep. Um, so that's why probably I would strongly suggest you know, which is something we want to get into. That we sort of when we ask questions, how people are feeling, it's just not just how they how they look. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's more than that. So. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good answer. I'd, I'd, I'd definitely agree with that. Um, I think if you, if you look at the top, you know, the most aesthetic people going around are usually typically your figure or bodybuilders. Um, and I can tell you now, when they step on stage, they are far from healthy. Uh, metabolically, hormonally, they are screwed most of the time. Um, and that's why when they come out of a show, most of the time they will take a lot of downtime um, and usually do a, some form of reverse diet where they are basically reducing the stress as much as they can on their bodies and slowly introducing more food so they can metabolically and hormonally get back to a healthy state. Um, so I think for guys around... 10%, 10, 12% is a pretty 
healthy range and it's quite a lean range that's but that's a, but it's a it's a range where you could probably around that 12 percent you really maintain that's probably help that's, um, that's very quite 12 percent is quite low i think yeah like yeah 15 percent is even like you know a decent level and yeah. women are from 25 to 30 20, yeah, 25 to 30 percent so obviously they cave more fat around um Around certain areas, and but I think that might. I think that's the issue these days is when people think aesthetic and think they they initially look at these people who are really like super super lean, and think that's the standard and that's what they need to get to. When yeah. in reality, it takes a lot of fucking hard work and preparation to get to that, and you're not really going to be in that for very long. Well, hugely, and I don't think many of these people want, like would say to themselves like, yeah, they they you know to get to yourself to a elite level of you know any. Um, any sport, you know, bodybuilding's one or powerlifting or or crossfit. There is an element of over overtraining and you know, um, overreaching, and they can't maintain that. But you know, the site there's different things. Like for example, bodybuilders. For me, the biggest thing I'd say most bodybuilders are, you know, are you doing emotionally for the right reasons? Are you healthy in that sense? In that sense, mentally, how do you feel? You know, if it's um, untested competition, you know, anabolics and things like those kind of things. And, you know, obviously, if these things are done correctly, which most people, you know, should be doing with performance enhancing substances and getting your blood test done, it can can be done in a safe manner, um, you know, minimizing the risk, which it it can cause. Um, Man, there's risk in everything you do, you know. There's risk in overeating, you know, healthy food or overeating, you know, over consuming coffee um everyone's got their poison um that's a thing i've kind of said everyone's got their poison in which they choose to have their in to use it so mm-hmm. i'd pretty much say that you know aesthetics are definitely not the only you know yeah factor factor in yeah, yeah. if you're healthy but it's and also the other way around like a marathon runner or a triathlete are they healthy because they can you know oh, run long distances no way exact same kind of thing performance wise yeah they're super healthy there you might think cardiovascularly they're healthy but the biggest yeah. thing I think health is going to be assessed on is more their mental and emotional side of things because it's easy to blanket um, the physical stuff that's that's super simple that's that's not what your health, you know, the underlying factor of health should be. Performance, yes, assess them on their characteristics. Are they, you know, are they are they fit in, in terms of their performance and what they do for their sport? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, like my bodybuilders, you look at them, they look fucking amazing. Biggest problem with bodybuilders is that, you know, you see 25, 30 people on stage who have been there and they all look amazing, but then you're picking on someone and going, oh, he had a bit, his chest wasn't as big as the other guy, but in reality, those guys all look amazing. So you got to put, you know, into retrospect how 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 mentally drained that sport is. And the same thing with you know with footy players. You know, you play a whole year, whole year to become win a championship or a premiership, and you look amazing. So you play amazing, and then you you lose by you lose by one point in the grand final. You know how much of mental drain that is. So yeah, I, I think, think I think any sport. I think. Really, if, if if you're gonna if you want to be an athlete or you want to play some sport, you gotta be, understand that there's always going to be some form of poor health that you're gonna have to encounter, you know. Yeah. And that, like like Mel said, that health, you know, it could be how you look, it could be how you feel. And I think the, probably so, the biggest thing we should just say, say is we said, are you, um, is a sex man you're fit? So let's say is it. Being aesthetically pleasing mean you're healthy. Yeah. You know, does you know, does mean you can lift super heavy weights mean you're healthy? 
Um, I can tell you one thing. So you watch the world's strongest man right now and um, Thor Bjornsson just broke the world record. I can guarantee you one thing. Right now, he's not healthy. Um, well, I a, see, to a certain extent, I almost disagree with that. Yeah. Because I know exactly... Not exactly, but I kind of know what he's eating, which is very similar to how you eat. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, anyone that size... Yes, and that's is, why yeah. he's not healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. So, so that's, that's, but that, he's probably the healthiest he can be, I reckon, for what he Well, he'll lose probably 15 or 20 kilos after this competition. So yeah. you just can put that into you know the factors. Is like, that's like your, we're like sort of judging one thing on... This is where, and you brought up a good point here, so my healthy in terms of what the quality of food he's eating. But if you're yep. overeating food and your body isn't designed to be close to 200 kilos, he's not healthy. It, it just it depends on markers you're using. Yeah. So yeah. things like you know, Eddie Hall, mate, he, that guy was was told, you're going to die if you continue doing those things. Yeah, and he took it to and, another level though, didn't he, really? Well, not really. He just does the exact same things as these most guys go. He was he's still 40 kilo, 30 kilos less than what I thought. Or no, probably about 170 kilos when he was competing. Yeah. But I, so, think, I think he was stuffing himself with a bit more different types of food. Oh, they're, they're yeah. So quality of food is, is the big factor too, but how healthy is being generally that size. Um, you know, he trains hard, you know, and for most of the time, yeah, Thor will be healthy um, when he's down away. But I can tell you something, when you, when I was 115 kilos, you know, yeah. I didn't feel that healthy. And I was still, I was eating predominantly good food, but I was eating probably too much and I didn't, wasn't doing any cardio work or yeah. metabolic work. And I can tell you right now, I was not healthy. Yeah. And that's the thing, like a, you, you almost need to really just push through that, stay at that weight for a certain amount of time. And if that's the weight you want to be, do the metabolic work, do the cardio, so your body eventually just metabolically adapts yeah. to be at that weight. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, um, you've also probably got to understand how big these guys are. Like, yeah. Thor's close to what? So I don't even know. He's close, close to 200 pounds? Well, no, he's over no, 400 pounds. No, he's closer to 500. Well, 450. Fuck. 450 pounds. So, big boy. Big 200 kilos, but he's almost 200 centimeters tall. You know, or 190. Oh, he's something huge, mate. Yeah. So, it's not called the mountain for no reason. So ten thousand calories. All a those day. things come into um, into play, but yeah, I would definitely say the first markers of you know if you're really healthy as an athlete, and because we're talking about athletes, you know, look into the mental, emotional, and um, mental, mental, emotional health of them before physically. Yeah, yeah. So I think the biggest takeaway from that is don't. Uh, judge a book by its cover. That's correct. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. All right. Um, so that probably leads into: Do we need to track food? Give me your thoughts, big dog. This is your now. There's two ways you can look at this. I personally, if a new client comes to me and they haven't tracked food before. Um, I initially am going to say just take probably a week um, and just do a bit of a food log so you, you run down and you have a bit of an understanding as to how much and what you are eating um, rather than basically saying straight away they need to be tracking food um, and then from there you can get a bit of understanding as to whether numbers in terms of their calories and macros are and whether they need to eat more whether they need to eat less from there i would definitely be recommending um them to track because i think tracking gives you a great understanding of 
like I said, how much food you do need to eat each day um, and portion sizes as well. Um, I know my, for myself, and you've been obviously keeping me accountable with that, is um, I've always gone through phases of tracking. Um, kind of thought I had, a, you know, I knew, which I do, I have been understanding how much food, you know, portion sizes and that. But um, when you are training like we are, you do, especially myself, tend to under eat. Um, so having, you know, the app, such as my fitness pal there has not only kept me accountable but also made me realize that for me to actually perform at the level i want to perform um i do need to be eating more calories um and i was eating less than what i should be so in summary i do think we need to track do i think it's for everyone probably not for everyone um i think general population at some form of uh, some point in their life, they have to track. Um, I don't think it's healthy to track forever, um, just from a um, from a mental aspect of it, um, you know. But yeah, definitely some form. If you have you know goals that you want to achieve, I think tracking is a definite. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you something. How many of your clients you yep. can say, honestly say track their food? And honestly. I can honestly say that not many. Yeah, I can honestly say that only person I will know that tracks their food at the moment that is yeah at the well for me that yeah, is yeah at the moment they I've have got, before though I've got maybe <clears throat> one person that I know tracks their food yeah I got one person I can ever say forever probably three people will ever have tracked their food I'm not talking about one day I'm gonna no, say consistently. consistently for say a month this is probably three people over ten years training so my opinion on this is that there's two levels of it um i will 100 percent agree everyone should be tracking their food um eventually the reason being you know it's a long-term it's a long-term thing so there's two ways to look at it. if someone's like you got a client that's you know extremely overweight it's about creating better habits and i wouldn't i would not tell them to track their food instantly i would tell them you know start making healthy choices but if a client of mine is going to train me consistently after the first month yeah I think it's really necessary Uh, they might not do it I might not force upon them but I'm going to tell them 100% you need to learn how to track your food now the, the key of this thing is you have to use my fitness pal every single day if you use eating consistently the same amount of food and you know that you're eating the same thing as yesterday you don't have to track your food anymore you know exactly what you're eating now, there's two ways to look at this. Performance-wise, you need to track your food. I've, I've got friends and people, and I always use one, yeah, I'll just eat healthy. It's bullshit. It does not work like that. You need to know exactly how much food you're eating because you correlate to your performance. Now, yesterday, I had a really shit session. I was fucking pissed off. I had a shit session. I couldn't score 160, and I was like, why can't I track 160? Why can't I do it? I looked back a few weeks ago when I first started this thing. I was eating a whole lot more carbohydrates i was eating a lot more carbs now i just had my lunch my lunch day and i had 250 grams of rice and 250 grams of potatoes as well okay so from then i can post workout that is post workout i can understand that you know well you know didn't feel as good and then this morning um and also i was having peanut butter last week so i can look back at my food and go you know what there's things I can change there. Um, and also, you know, there's lots of, you know, obviously, and also whatever you put in, like caffeine. 
I thought today, how much caffeine did I have yesterday? You know, I probably had too much early in the morning and what have frazzled me. I, I love caffeine. I'm all for it. Mm. I'm, you know, I, I love caffeine. That's my vice. There's one thing I won't give up. It's caffeine. Um, I don't care because that's the one thing that I do enjoy doing. I don't drink alcohol that much. You know, I don't party too much. I don't do hardly any of those kinds of things. Um, caffeine is my, my thing. So I've got to manage that. That's purely because of performance. Now, other scale things, the mental thing, and I'm going to have my son these whole mental things. It's not good for your mental health. Um, I've had clients of mine that are really scared of eating. Everyone's they're scared of eating. Yep. Now, the thing with tracking food is in when you start talking about calories and macros and you can have everything you ever wanted to eat by tracking calories, it actually, it actually teaches them that, you know, to get comfortable with food and you can eat these types of foods. So... The mental thing, people victimize, you know, good and bad food, okay? It's not good and bad food, food, okay, so to speak. There's probably more nutrient-dense food, but I'm going to say, you know, you can have your donut, you can have a bit of ice cream every single day. You can do those things every single day and still manage to lose weight and be healthy. You can still have, your, you know, something fast food once or twice a week. You can still do those kind of things. So when you track your food, you understand what you're eating, you teach girls especially, hey, you know, Make these healthy choices and you can eat those things at night time or instead of having, you know, 30 grams of peanut butter in your shake, have 20. Instead of having, you know, full cream milk, have light milk. And you start doing these things and, you know, instead of having white potato at lunch, have pumpkin. You know, so you teach people that you can have everything and have a balanced diet and get more comfortable eating food. And in the long term, it might be annoying you tracking your food, but once you learn that you're able to have all these things, you start enjoying life more. And you know, and this also leads back to: Are you healthy? You know, the topic before. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to be super healthy if you have this emotional thing with every time you have food. You had a family dinner, or you, with your boyfriend or girlfriend, you can't have the popcorn movies. You can't have your Maltesers. You can't have your ice cream. You're constantly stressing because you're victim. You're, That's it's, true. It's, but it's, then also, you yeah. are living your life by having to put something into a phone app. Do you know what I mean? That that's where I'm coming from. I totally agree with all of that, and I definitely think that like at some stage people need to do that to get an understanding. Yep. But, yep. but I know myself. I'm not going to track forever. Okay. Does but does beef mince change by day by day? Does beef beef, beef mince does not change in terms yet? of the calorie and macro aspect? No, no. So no. that's so once people understand how much they're having. They don't need to put in their phone anymore because that's what I'm saying. So that's that, yeah. But that's still tracking. Just because you're not putting your phone doesn't mean it's not tracking. No, well you're still tracking. But what I'm saying is you're not dictated by an app on your phone, which is what people assume tracking their food well, is. Well, that's what's well, that interpretation of tracking. Tracking your food is just knowing. Let's say you can do it in your head, you can do it in your mind, you can do it on yeah, your phone. That's obviously tracking, different. Tracking your food is just let's say tracking your food is understanding how much food you're eating. Of course. Now portion sizes that comes. Now you don't understand this. This whole Diet. Well, you just got to understand how much you're eating. You just got to get used to it because I think that if people, the long-term effect, I can tell you something, is more people that are having issues from the very start of this from not tracking their food and being susceptible to you know, emotional things with eating more so than the other way around. So you, you my take on this performance, you need to track your food. There is no two ways about it. Yep. For yep. general health, you can get 80% of there. Um, you can get if, if you're worried, if you're purely worried um, from a physical point of view on if you just want to get performance for females, yes, you can don't have to track your food. But if you a person that struggles with the mental side of things with food and um, you know making yourself feel bad, I would really encourage you to look into tracking your food because long term, 
um, benefits of it are huge. You know, um, I, I've, there's a client of mine that I've been dealing with for a few months now, and her her relationship with food is so much burnout. I'm really really proud of her because it's something she was really struggled with and teaching her how she can do things and eat these kinds of things she's eating more food ever she's stronger than ever and you know she's really really happy um so it's 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 a really individual thing and you know when you first become a trainer you probably don't understand those type of conversations because you and the type of people but you soon know how you can push a person with all these type of things yeah no that's true all right let's go Footy talk. Footy talk. All right, footy talk. Let's go footy talk. The top 10. All right, starting at number 10. Let's read them all. Laurie Daly. Now, I can't comment on the rat because I didn't really watch much of Laurie Daly. Okay, let's go Let's go the whole water and we'll, we'll come back. All right, so in the 10th, Laurie Daly. In the 9th, Jason Tamalolo. 8th, Cooper Cronk. 7, Greg Inglis. 6, Brad Fittler. Five, a Billy Slater. Four, Lockyer. Three, Smith. Two, Johns. One, JT Thurston. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So, now I'm going to argue first he plays that are way too high. Way now, too high? Yeah. Okay. So, Gringless is way too high. And I agree with that. He's way too I high. I think Cooper Cronk needs to be before him. Fuck, he, Cooper Cronk should be almost... Fourth or third. Cooper Cronk's better than Lockyer. Yeah, well, that's the thing. See, I would uh, I would almost, almost agree that the top three I'm quite content with because I do believe they are very influential players. Um, and, yeah, I'd probably go that Cooper Cronk's probably more influential than what Darren Lucky was as well. So I'd definitely have him in the fourth. Yeah, I just don't... I think breaking this is a bit of... Okay. Now, I don't know how to put this properly. Breaking this is a very, very, very good player. But I think, to a certain extent, he's overrated on this list of people. So well, he's I not think as he's influential. That's well, the thing, I is he? Definitely like if you look at those top three players, no. you're like, yeah, they could change a game. Yeah, I'm, Greg Inglis change yeah, a game. I actually no. don't see how many people forget how thir- good Thurston was. Lately. Oh, freak. And, yeah, and they forget how good he was lately. Freak. So I actually would say that he's. I actually would say he. It's this whole thing with Andrew. So the thing with Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones was obviously a freakish, like the best player, but. We were probably, if we were five years older, we probably would appreciate him a whole lot more because, we, well, how old were we when he retired? Well, 22, 10, 20? Johns. Which retired Yeah, when probably, I don't know, something like that. So he, for me, he was my idol growing up. That's yeah, when I based yeah, my football off. So. He was a freak. But <laughs> um, I think this whole Andrew Johns thing is always going to be the whole Michael Jordan argument too, mm. that he's everyone's always going to get compared to Andrew Johns. Obviously, Jordan's like the world athlete, but it's kind of thing. Aaron Jones was was that good and that dominant. They're always going to be compared to him. Well, that's the thing because he was really the. You think of halfbacks coming up throughout the years, like you had Peter Sterling, you had all these great halfbacks, but then Andrew Jones is a halfback who just literally stood yeah, out. Yeah, took the game. Like you look at Origin, he was yeah the best halfback going around. Yeah. So. Mm. I would say if Jonathan Thurston was at a club like Melbourne Storm, they win ten comps in a row. Mm. Then there's a, so you look at Thurston so Thurston won a company was 19 or 21 at the Bulldogs in 2004 took him like 12 years was 12 years 10 years to win another company uh, in 2016 2016 was it? 2016 yeah. so 16 was it? yeah 16 
So 2016. No, 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 that's when the Sharkies 15, won. I think 15, it was 15. 15. Yeah. So it took them almost 11 more years to another comp. So you think in that retrospect, if Thurston was at a club, and Thurston as Cowboys too, they weren't a strong side ever. He almost carried them pretty much you know, the whole way there. So, you know, I would definitely say that if he was at a stronger club, mate, he would have had a lot more premierships. And... You know, he's lucky that he did win the premiership of the Cowboys because if he did win the premiership, it hold. He's I think his whole legacy would yeah. be totally different. Unfortunately, Definitely. he still was a very very good player. It's similar to the whole you know Messi has never won anything with Argentina kind of argument that he's just so much of a freak. But everyone goes, well, he didn't win a premiership with them. Yeah, yeah. Big um, factor. Brad, so Laurie Daly, I don't I don't watch enough of Laurie Daly. And this is the issue. Like you look at like Fitler, Lockyer. Engl- oh, well, not English, um, and Daly. They're probably players at early 90s. We didn't really see a lot. Like, we really saw Fitler and Lockyer at the back end of their careers. So, we c- there's but, not a lot we can so see on them. There's no forwards here. Tamalolo. Yeah. So, but Glenn Lazarus, people look, Glenn Lazarus was, a, was an, yeah, he was, an amazing he was, um, footballer. And I would think, like, someone, it was Sam Burgess, like, was, it, was he good enough? Was he as good as. Laurie Daly, like I probably, if watching him, I'd go, well, you know, I would almost think that Glenn was like Sam Bird, so it was probably, oh, see, I don't know, like I would put him almost as high as, you know, it's different with the forward because you're looking for the different things. You're looking yeah. At, yeah. I think, like these players definitely. See, for me, Cameron Smith would have to be. I hate Cameron Smith, but he's. I he's agree with where he's three, three. Yeah, it's probably three or three or one. He's yeah, he's so influential. Um, Billy Slater. See, oh, Billy Slater is in front of Lockyer for me. Slats is in front of Lockyer. He has to be in front of Lockyer. Yeah, I think it's more the fact that Lockyer started at five eight, and then went to fullback, or the other way around. Sorry, was at fullback and then went to five eight. So I think I think that's where I, why he's there, but. Um. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like, credit to Tamalolo, that's for sure. Yeah, I, I just don't think Tamalolo should be there. To be honest, probably a bit young to be in that list probably at the moment. Be, isn't yeah, it? well, I Hasn't think past he's a freak, but I, like he's a yeah. Who's who? Do you reckon right now will be there? Um, I personally think, and I'm not saying this because you know him, but I actually think Jake Javoyevich will be up there one day. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. When I look at forwards, oh yeah, he's, and he's influential forwards. What Is he can do. No, it's not influential. Greatest players. Greatest players, but I think a lot of it has to do with how they influence the game. He, I think he would be very lucky, not because he's a fucking freak, but he'd be the way they look. They're looking at forwards and stuff. They reckon greatest forwards, you know. Yeah, definitely. Well, Tom, mate, him and Tommy should both, would both be freaks now, wouldn't they? Definitely, mm. mate. Interesting one. Interesting. Top three, definitely agree Top with. Top three, that. definitely agree with. Darren Lockyer, mm, not sure. Billy Slayer should be higher. Brad Fittler, he's another one. I didn't see enough of Brad Fittler to think how good no, he was. No. But he played Origin at 19 years of age. So great. Mount Meninga. Mount Meninga. Yeah, I think so. modern. I don't think he's a modern footy player. Modern era, yeah, yeah, maybe not. Maybe not. But yeah, I, I still think Regulus is, I think he's overrated. He's not very, he's not, I mean, he wasn't good. Like he's just overrated for, oh, I, just, I, I, th- I think. I don't th- yeah, he had a lot more average games than good games for me. Yeah. Like you compare, if you think Cooper Cronk has won four premierships, if he's just one above him, like and Tom Lolo is one below him, like yeah, like he's got to be higher. Like 
you know, Cooper Cronk is a number. Is oh. a, he's 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 on a mortal case. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He's on a mortal case. He's a hundred percent. You know, a mortal case. So. Yeah. You know, happy I'll go the guy that's won four premierships and went to Roosters, won back to back premierships with them, won three at the Melbourne Storm, five premierships he won. Yeah. Fuck me. Plus the five premierships. Like crazy. Yeah. Um Yeah. No, he definitely needs to be he's top four for me, definitely. Alright. We out. We're out. We're out. Over Thanks, and guys. out. Cheers guys. Bye.